Here's something from an article I once read. This is the part that stayed with me. A cardiologist gave a speech to a room full of health professionals. One quarter of the people in this room will die of heart disease, he said, and then waited a beat before continuing. The rest of you will die of something else. I wish I could remember the doctor's name because I'm telling you, if my heart ever decides to go sideways, he's someone I'd want on my team. Hi there, and welcome to Here's a Thought, the blogcast for people who overthink. I'm your host, Jan M. Flynn, and I certainly do not count myself among the world's great thinkers. But great overthinkers? Different story. If you're a member of the Busy Brain Tribe, I feel ya. Sometimes you need a distraction from those voices in your head. So take a little break and listen to the ones in mine. This week, I'm thinking about the thing nobody likes to think about much. But what that cardiologist said to that room full of folks is something you just can't argue with. It's like we've all got a big, huge trip coming up someday. We don't get to know when we're going and where. At least most of us don't. And very few of us look forward to it. It's not like it's something you can pack a go bag for, but that doesn't mean you can't make some plans. And as squeamish as we may all be, here's why that might be a good idea. The point is, nobody gets out of here alive, not even me. William Saroyan is supposed to have said on his deathbed, I know everyone has to die, but somehow I always thought an exception would be made in my case. I think we all feel that way to some extent, even though we know better. Even if we've reached an age at which members of our cohort are beginning to as the Brits so charmingly put it, pop their clogs. Mortality, as a topic, is a guaranteed downer, the ultimate wet blanket. We might be okay with contemplating it in theoretical terms, cushioned with the philosophical. As in this saying from the semi-legendary 5th century monk, Bodhidharma, Delusion means mortality, and awareness means Buddhahood. Yeah, yeah, sure. I guess. But thinking about our own actual, inevitable, personal demise, it's not only a bummer, it's sort of impossible. Given that all we can possibly know of existence is what we can perceive of it, how are we supposed to imagine being in a state in which we're no longer capable of perception? Or maybe we will be. Who knows? Anyway, that's beyond the scope of both my brain and this episode. What I'm talking about here are the hard, cold, sorry, facts. The practicalities. The stuff nobody likes to consider unless maybe you're somebody with the ego and mindset of an Egyptian pharaoh. Because no matter what you believe will become of you after your passing, the fact is that when you go, somebody's going to have to deal with that mortal coil you've just shuffled off. Unless, by odd chance, you're blown to unrecoverable smithereens, perhaps while on an ill-advised private submersible with your billionaire pals. Ooh, too soon? Anyway, the odds of that happening are low, so it's safe to assume that after you've departed for what Hamlet calls the undiscovered country, your body will be left behind. Figuring out what's to be done with it, what the mortuary industry coyly refers to as final arrangements, 
is something we're more tempted to procrastinate about than any term paper we've ever had coming due. Google why do people procrastinate and you'll find abundant reasons. Low motivation, an intention-action gap, task aversion, emotional overwhelm, and an irrational desire to delay that is stronger than the desire to take action. Add in the fact that when it comes to making those final arrangements for yourself, there is rarely a firm due date, it's no wonder that only about 21% of Americans have any kind of plan in place for the big sleep. But if you don't make plans ahead of time, someone will have to. Someone who's likely grief-stricken, under duress, and up against a remorseless clock. If you've got friends or family you care about and who are likely to outlive you, they will be faced with a whole lot of unpleasant decisions right at a time when they're least prepared to make them. I've been there. It's traumatic. My first husband died of sudden cardiac arrest at age 54, and I don't fault him for not having plans in place. Who thinks they'll be ejected from life without warning while right in the middle of it? But having to confront all those choices about what, how, where, and when, without guidance, while trying to consider sometimes conflicting expectations of family members who were just about as freaked out as I was, it's an experience I wouldn't wish on anyone. In contrast was my mother, a sweet and self-effacing lady who was the last person in any gathering to state her opinion, let alone insist on having her way. But when she died, it turned out she'd arranged to have her body collected and cremated, her ashes scattered at sea, without us having to do anything but write her eulogy and arrange memorial celebration at her church. She died at the age of 96, so she had more time to put things in place. But it was a vast relief and a real gift to her grieving daughters. Another example is one of my brothers-in-law, a highly devout man who has not only planned his funeral and his wife's, but who has purchased plots for nearly every member of his immediate family. And as long as he was still able to, he spent untold hours mowing the cemetery grounds wherein those plots lay. Which in my opinion, is overdoing it, but his intentions are lovely. Now, I have both a big birthday and a big trip coming up. No, not that trip, at least I hope not. My husband and I, along with my younger son, his wife, and her parents, are heading off on safari in Kenya this summer. I don't really have a bucket list, but if I did, this would be near the very top. Lions, giraffes, elephants, Warthogs, the all-time champions in the so-ugly-they're-adorable category. Squee! I recognize my great good fortune, both in being able to travel like this and in reaching age 70. Wait, what? Is that right? Is that even possible? Anyway, with all this momentousness taking place, it only makes sense that I heed the promptings of destiny and do my survivors a favor by making plans for the unscheduled yet inevitable. Which is why, one afternoon next week, a nice young man from the Neptune Society is going to be paying us a house call to get everything arranged. I'm not from a culture or a family that goes in for big funerals complete with a viewing. Honestly, the thought of people surveying my boxed carcass creeps me out. Or traditional burial. Did I mention I'm claustrophobic? So, 
This is the option that makes the most sense, given where I live. Although I do rather like the idea of an Irish-style wake. Honestly, if I had my druthers, I'd be composted. Human composting is available in a few areas, but not anywhere near where I'm likely to be when I, well, become compostable. Given that the prime directive of my mission here is to save my loved ones from unnecessary complications and expense, that option is out. Another option that is catching on is water cremation, or alkaline hydrolysis. In this process, a human body is sealed in a long stainless steel chamber while a heated solution of 95% water and 5% sodium hydroxide passes over and around it. The process sort of dissolves the bonds in the tissues, and eventually you turn into a sterile liquid combination of amino acids, peptides, salts, sugars, and soaps and all that disappears down the drain. The body's bones are then ground to a fine powder and returned to your survivors. Now that's what I call being liquidated. Alkaline hydrolysis is more carbon-friendly than traditional cremation, which has approximately the same carbon footprint as a 600-mile road trip. But it's not widely available, at least not here in Idaho, nor is it inexpensive at this point. Besides, I've taken road trips way longer than 600 miles, and I will again, God willing. Again, practicalities carry the day. There are other funereal practices that may appeal in theory. One is a Viking funeral, in which the body is sent off in a boat before being set aflame with burning arrows launched by the deceased's buddies. But I don't know anybody who's that good at archery. Another tradition I find weirdly appealing is sky burial. Practiced in Tibet and parts of India, the body, often shrouded and sometimes dissected into parts, is exposed to the elements for vultures and other wild animals to consume. If you're really committed to recycling, this might be the option for you. Of course, sky burial doesn't exactly have enthusiastic support in the USA, where it might in fact cross the legal line into body desecration. And again, practicalities reign. Like most things in life, and apparently also death, you do your best. If I do something so stupid while in Kenya that I turn into a meal for wildlife, well, that's the circle of life. I'll accept it like I have a choice. But it's more likely things won't be so definitive, so cut and dried when the time comes. None of us can foresee everything that might happen. That doesn't excuse us from taking responsibility for the things we can reasonably anticipate. Besides, making plans is a great antidote to anxiety if you have any such tendencies in that direction, as I most certainly do. Just knowing I have the appointment with a nice fella from the Neptune Society, with prices locked in, for eternity, it gives me a sense of peace. Because when I go, unlike Charlton Heston, nobody is going to have to pry a gun from my cold, dead hands. But my to-do list? Now that's a different story. Thanks for listening to this episode of Here's a Thought with Jan M. Flynn. This episode, like all of them, was produced by me, all by myself, but there are still production costs. So if you enjoy the show and feel so motivated, in addition to following it, you can also subscribe for as little as three bucks a month to help defray those expenses. Whether you do or you don't, I'm thrilled to have you as a listener. Until next week, may you enjoy abundant life and health, 
May all your plans work out just as you intend, and may all your thoughts be good ones.